basically when you put your heart in the hands of Allah, Allah will put his heart in the hands of someone who loves him. So if you're not putting your heart in the hands of Allah, metaphoric hands, of course, then and if you don't know your worth and what you have to offer, then whatever he sends you, you're not going to be able to fully embrace, you're not going to enjoy, you're not going to connect, you're not going to, there's always going to be a problem. Assalamu alaikum. Hello. This is Your Truth is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Nadira Razak. I am a wife, a mother, a seeker, and a life and business coach. This podcast is about tuning in to that small, quiet voice within that urges you to really follow your soul's calling. And this podcast aims to bring you solo episodes and interviews with other special humans who have followed this calling, no matter how out of the box it may have been. We'll share stories about how God's grace is working through their lives and how they had the courage to really put one foot in front of the other and build a life that is fulfilling, meaningful, and filled with a sense of play and wonder. I started this podcast because I was at a point in my life where I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve as a coach, yet something still felt missing. I knew I wanted to feel utterly and truly alive and connected to other beautiful human beings. This podcast helps you navigate this quest where you feel like you've arrived and now there's a whisper that this isn't it. There's chaos again and you have to start over. So this is about new beginnings pivots and finding those breadcrumbs of delight and surprise along life's journey. And I hope that you will tune in, whether it's on your walk, on your drives, going to the gym, however it is that you listen to this podcast. I hope it sparks something in you so that you get the courage to just go for your dreams, to trust those moments of insight and alignment so you can take action on the things that matter to you. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and keep in touch with me about the things that are on your heart so we can have a conversation about navigating this beautiful thing called being a human. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Welcome to the Your Truth is Paul, uh, call, Calling podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Nadira Razak. And today, it's a very special day in the Islamic calendar. It's the 10th of Muharram. Um, so we're in a new Islamic year. And yeah, it's Ashura. So the fact that I have Zainab Murad joining us today, I will possibly tell you how I met her informally and then introduce her with her formal bio. Um, I actually met Zainab at a spiritual retreat where we were reading a book called Struggling to Surrender by Jeffrey Lang, I think it was. And it was at Rahil's house who happened to work at Isra. And Rahil and I had met at the Umma Center when Dr. Zuleika Keskin came for a lecture there. And we kind of hit it off going, as in Rahil and I noticed we had so many things in common and how like our family dynamics were and everything. And so when the spiritual book retreat was happening, she invited me and Zainab so stood out there because we were sitting in the circle. I remember we were having lunch, this beautiful Afghan meal. Um, and then we were either introducing each other and saying our names and Zainab like locked in on my name and started to <laughs> try and investigate what it meant. And she would like want to read you with it. And this woman, I cannot thank her enough, subhanAllah, gave me that little nugget. It's like Allah subhanahu wa I feel like this Truth is Calling podcast is like, a call and response system. I feel like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to us all the time through signs, signatures, other people, the environment, natural beauty, everything. And I feel like when you, you know, let go of distractions and your heart is awake, 
when people say something and it's meant for you, I feel like for me, this is how it happens. My whole heart like turned and like took in what Zainab said. And I'm like, I think this is for me. She said, I think you should start a podcast. I don't know what I said, but that was her response. And I kind of just took it in. I said, "Mm -hmm. okay, that felt really good. And then two years later, I'm not sure how many years later now, it's here. So, and it's that divine timing. Like there's patience required. I didn't have capacity at that time to start it. I didn't really know how, what it was going to be about or anything, but little by little things came together. So I'm just so grateful that she's here and she is, such an amazing um, like just a person on social media her handle and everything we will share that more but I will now formally introduce Zainab Murad to you Zainab Murad has been involved in the community for numerous years she has contributed to various organizations working on projects women's empowerment youth mentoring charities and interfaith work she has completed her bachelor of youth work in 2014 and her master of islamic studies in 2019 she holds many roles at the Center for Islamic Studies and Civilization and Isra Academy. One of Zainab's roles is marketing officer, where she works closely with the marketing team to develop social media campaigns that help spread awareness and promote the services offered by the organization. Zainab is an academic mentor. She supports students by guiding them and helping them navigate through their first year of studies. Zainab is also a project manager. She runs projects that use education as a means to serve the community. Welcome, Zainab, to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for having me part of this awesome initiative. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here and to, you know, have these conversations with you. You're too kind. <laughs> so Zainab, I think what I want to start with, with you, is this whole marketing side of you. And I feel like you're like a marketing officer for life. It's like... <laughs> Yo, people, like this is what life has to offer you. I'm going to show you this and I'm going to show you a taste of that. If you just go <laughs> to her profile, everybody, you have to follow her. at It's Simba's Legacy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So S-I-M-B-A-S-L-E-G-A-C-Y, yep. underscore legacy. Right. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes so you can follow her. Yeah. Um, but I want you to maybe start with how did you even come up with that term? Because I know I'm a big Lion King fan. My <laughs> husband's a big Lion King fan. He knows ex- exactly like every single line of the movie. Like we can't watch it with him because he just knows all the words. But I just wanted to know. And I'm, yeah, like I find that movie really relevant when it comes to like following your heart, courage, adventure, setbacks, but still, you know, like almost like choosing and like going for it. Could you just maybe tell us the origin story of that account? Yes, of course, of course. I'll first start off with like the importance of having a personal brand because your personal brand is like your identity. It's the way people see you and it's the way you interpret the parts of yourself. Essentially, we're all like complete human beings. We were born complete and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us all these little nuggets, all these little things that um, really just enhance our life and we're so busy like, being consumed in the general mundane routine of life that we forget about what exactly these tools that Lusmantara has given us. Uh, so the little backstory about why I've kind of adopted that personal brand, Simba's Legacy, um, it was really funny because as a kid I'd be bullied for the way I'd look, for my nose. They'd tell me, oh, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're short, you're this, you're squeaky, look at your nose, it's like a little lion. I'm like, 
yeah, you're going to label me? Okay, I'm going to turn and someone turn that around and use that label to benefit me. I am a lion, girlfriend, you know. <laughs> so, um, it's a kind of love. And it didn't happen when I was in my younger years. It was more as I grew up that I adopted that persona. Uh, the whole idea about, um, you know, no matter what has happened in your life, it's always an opportunity to learn from it. My favourite scene in the movie is like uh, when the monkey hits him on the head and he's like, oh, what was that for? And he's like, well, yes, the past can hurt, but the way I see it, you either run from it or learn from it, you know? <laughs> so you either run from it or learn from it? Yeah, so you yeah. take every single experience as a lesson and a blessing. And it's so funny because as a kid, I I never watched the movie Lion King. I watched it when I was 19 years old in a room full of my nieces and nephews. <laughs> that moment um, Mufasa died, everyone in the room was crying. It was a whole emotional scene. And I was just taken back by the messaging of this cartoon. Like every other cartoon that you see, or that I've grown up with, was all about the prince being rescued yes. by the princess. And this whole idea that women need to be rescued in order to be complete was very deterring and very frustrating to witness, like, growing up. So when I found a cartoon that literally was released to a year after I was born, I was like, hang on a second, this is me. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> like, but you had to find it 19 years later after going through all that stuff as a kid. Exactly. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Yeah. And now you've you've got the shirt as well, don't you? Have you like a sweatshirt? Yeah, so <laughs> I've kind of like developed a logo, just something that represents me. Um, it's not an organization, it's not an institution, it's nothing. But I, I literally wear it just because um it actually got gifted to me by one of my mentees. So I, I wear it because it's sentimental and yes. because it's kind of like my brand and because yeah. it's comfortable. So, yeah. <laughs> and you come from a family. You said you're Arab by mm-hmm. background. When someone tells me they're Arab, I have a really hard time placing them because I'm like, like Arab is like the whole of the Middle East, but is there like a specific country or are you a mix? Because you said, I was wondering, I was like, do you have like, do you have your own kids? Because I would see sometimes children, you know, on your yeah. feet. And then you're like, no, it's my nieces and nephews. I have like, what is it? 11 or 12? A whole village of them. A village. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, where is like in, in terms of birth order, are you a middle child or youngest or where do you fit? I'm the youngest and I have, claimed the cool auntie title so whoever you ask out of the 11 even the newborns um they're like yep she's the she's the coolest (laughs) (laughs) subhanallah so when like I think one of the things that also stood out was like on your feed you get to see like all the places you've traveled and it's not something we see too often that like was it the work that took you to these places? Because Israel, you know, like you um, you travel to other universities. You've been to like Zaytuna College, Alhamdulillah. Like that was so beautiful to see. And you go to all these mosques and then road trips. How much has travel impacted you? And like, when did you realize like, this is like part and part and parcel of your lifestyle traveling uh, to places? That's a great question. Um, so traditionally or culturally, let me say, culturally women travelling alone is like a bit of a taboo kind of thing. <laughs> um, but my sister, she's a bit of a rebel, so she breaks down all those barriers. So I started travelling like in groups with people. 
um, when I was about 27. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit of both, to be honest. So I first, my first like trip away, like from family, I went to uh, the Islamic Museum of Malaysia mm-hmm. and wow. um, we got to, you know, see how they preserve the art and the way art was talking about was the form of history mm-hmm. and how art is a preservation of history. So to answer your question in short, um, travel was discovered a little bit later in life, but it kind of taught me more about myself and about the world than anything else. I feel something that inspires me to travel is the story of Ibn Battuta. Ibn Battuta mm-hmm. was a scholar, a teacher, a sociologist, uh, you know, all those labels in one. Mm-hmm. And he travelled, he taught, he studied, he did all these different things and the impact that he left on people's hearts was just amazing. Mm. So that's what really inspires me to travel because I learned so much about people, about culture, yes. about, you know, and then you take what's good and you leave the bad and you just grow so much. Like the experience of dealing with someone or talking to someone halfway across the world, mm. you just, you gain so much then you actually spend because traveling obviously is a cost. Yes. But the lessons and the golden nuggets and the experiences that really shape you to who you are, they make you appreciative and they make you realize how big the world is and how yes. small the things that consume us are actually mm. in comparison to every experience that you actually, you know, have. I'm a bit mm. of a like adrenaline junkie. So Yes, I, I was going to ask you about that because I see like I think – you being like, you know, extricated from your everyday life, put in a different state, a different city, a different country. It's just a major pattern interrupt. So the way you see the world changes because now you're like, you're not used to your comforts and all of that. And I think it just opens you up. And then, then when you fly back into your country, you're either more appreciative of what you already have because you see what maybe other cities don't have that you look at your own city with fresh eyes but also the people or the connections and the community that you have here you're either more appreciative or if there's a calling that you need to be somewhere else then you follow that guidance to go maybe I meant to yeah feel maybe home feels like a different country for whatever phase and season you're in in life you know so when you talked about being an adrenaline junkie I know that one of the things that we spoke about in our pre-interview chat was you know I've seen you dragon boating like horse riding like all these like either extreme sports or the more mellow you know nature walks or you know driving along the coast and things like that so could you maybe tell us how you know, the seeking, I feel like seeking new experiences and adventure is like a huge part of your personality uh, and what you value. But you did say that when you got older, it went from being adrenaline junkie to something a little bit different. So can you talk about the change and maybe what were you, yeah, what were you pursuing in those experiences? What is it that kind of draws you to those things? I love this question. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So uh, I think it goes back to getting out of your comfort zone because that's where the growth takes place. If you're mm. doing the same nine to five routine over and over again, you're not really growing because you're only exposing yourself to the one environment. But when mm. you're putting yourself okay. in a vulnerable situation, be it jumping out of a plane or a train or whatever, <laughs> um, you are really giving yourself that opportunity to explore different parts of yourself Mm. and so when I was younger the main way I would explore that part is you know making sure that I had the 
butterflies in my tummy and my heart is racing and, you know, I'm just about to go face forward on a rap jumping experience or I'm just about to, you know, yeah, and have the lab, do some flyboarding on, on the water. Um, I, like it was a number of things. It was challenging the, you know, stereotype that Muslim women have mm-hmm. a place in society or Muslim women are not interested in this thing. It was also challenging myself that mm-hmm. I am stronger than the limited thinking that I can do. Yes. Um, but, yeah, as I got older, um, I wanted to like, this is this is the turning point for me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, buying a motorbike would be so cool. That would look so good for my brand, like for myself. <laughs> bit of a rebel. I'm also getting part of your personal brand is being a bit of a rebel. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> I was taking Pushing my- boundaries. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, I was actually inspired by this girl in Sydney. Um, I saw her photos and I'm like, wow, that is amazing. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to, to, to do that. And then I took. And was she on back. like a Harley Davidson kind yeah, of bike? Pretty or? Much. Yeah, it was so cool. She had this leather jacket, and her hijab didn't get in the way, and she was just being true to her own, you know, hobbies, her identity. There was no shame in it, and it was mm. beautiful. That she wore it confidently. Wow! But I took my nephew to um, <laughs> what is it? Racing? No, go karting. Go karting. Go karting, and we did like it was a three laps. I was on my second lap, and I'm like, bro, I'm getting car sick. What is this? <laughs> My eight-year-old had a date with his dad, uh, my husband, and that was what he wanted, go-karting. And my husband was joking with me. Actually, we we, we mentioned it last night. Like, mommy wouldn't have been able to do those 12 laps. She would have been sick. (laughs) So I can imagine. I was like, I'm I'm glad I didn't go on that date. That was like a (laughs) one-on-one with dad. (laughs) And it's my my son's birthday today. He's eight. So subhanAllah, like it's Ashura. It's an eighth birthday. And this time is right around when I had a spiritual awakening. It's like coming back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Could you maybe speak about that? Like there's the personal brand of you like really um, kind of having this introspective part of you that's going, who am I? Who am I really? And like mm-hmm. really going, there's, okay, I've got this Muslim woman identity, but I don't fit the mold of what maybe society sees as this is a Muslim woman. Could you talk about, how identity and maybe your connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like it's not like that they oppose each other, yeah. that you can have that connection, but also still differentiate as an individual, you know, as That's, a Muslim woman. Because otherwise yeah. it's like there's all this sameness and everybody projects this onto us. And they're like, you don't really know me. And that's mm-hmm. why I like this personal brand piece because it's saying, no, I want to like take your uniqueness out and showcase it to the world so people actually exactly. know who you are. So then you get treated according to that as opposed to boxed in. Exactly. So, yeah, so just maybe speak about that connection with Alice Vanavala and identity and however you want to take that conversation. I definitely get to that. I just maybe wanted to highlight that yeah. as you grow older, the different parts of yourself nurture different things. So mm-hmm. now, just to Same finish more. up the other question, so now it's not so much the adrenaline stuff. Yes. It's just getting out of my comfort zone. So mm-hmm. I actually started um, improv. Yes. There's three hijabis in improv now, which is awesome. So improv is just basically you get a cue and then you have to kind of go with the situation. It helps you unpack your mind and just be okay with whatever you say. Those with social anxiety, I strongly encourage you guys to, mm. you know, take that up. Um, you know, I've started playing tennis, not nothing serious, but just mm. – um, 
with my nephews on the tennis <gasps> court in a local council Sweet. and started um, running. I can't run if my life. I say running because that's what I aspire <laughs> to do. I'm still on power walking, but we'll get to running eventually. Um, yeah, but now going to your second question about navigating a dual identity. I think growing up in Australia is very hard because you're told that you have to be a certain way. Like mm-hmm. Muslims are like this and a lot of it is culture. But mm-hmm. when you have those strong values of morals within yourself, you're able to differentiate and create your own boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. So Islam gives us that framework to be like, this is right and this mm-hmm. is wrong. But culture gives us an even stricter framework to say that, yes. oh, women shouldn't do this. Women shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. Girl, sit down. This is patriarchy. It's not. Mm. Islam is not about patriarchy at all. And I I do not promote feminism at all Mm. or think that it's appropriate. But, like, women, we only limit ourselves by these cultural, Mm. you know, labels that get given to us. But the truth is, like, Islam is wide. Like, it's hard. It's definitely, I'll I'll tell you that it's very hard in social situations to like mm. stay strong to your, you know, Islam and always question, okay, is this something correct? Is this something? Mm. But when you have that connection with Allah, you're able to follow that intuition. When you have the knowledge of Islam, you're able to say, okay, yeah, no, I'm not comfortable with this situation. Yes. I'm not going to pursue That it. discernment is very... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, key. So Maybe, as mm. long as you have that that within yourself, what you're prepared to tolerate in a social, like, for example, if I was to go uh, um, jump out of a plane, I'd make sure that I'm jumping with a female, not a male. Like, I don't mm. need to compromise that. Yes, true. Or if I am in a... But like this, again, this is not being judgmental to anyone who, you know, the handshake, like mm. there's ways that I've figured out to get around it, you know, <laughs> wear gloves, you know, you know what I mean? Like other people don't have issues with, you know, yeah. shaking hands, but, you know, rather be safe than sorry. Yes. Or like, yeah, so you, you kind of develop your own framework according to Quran mm. and Sunnah and you, you don't let it limit you. You yes. let it just protect you because Islam didn't come to limit you or oppress you. Islam yes. came to give you that freedom. Islam yeah. it came to give you that light. And, yes. you know, we we find in today's society that it's used in a different way. Mm. And that's not what Prophet Muhammad taught us, you know. Yeah. Like even if you... And I think also, like I had this perception before when I, you know, wasn't on a you know, seeker path of like seeking knowledge that every time someone got more religious that they would just become more serious and you lose the smile. But I, what I love is that you, you know, started working for an organization that's, you know, all to do with like Islamic research and all of that and higher studies. And I see you smile and I see your adventures and it's like, you know, you have a, a full life subhanallah and I think like you like you're a poster child for that and that's what I was telling you in the pre-interview chat I was like you are such a shapeshifter to me Zainab I was like I can't pin you down like who is this are you this are you this and that's when you said it's it's part of who you are to say actually you don't have to choose or like you know you can be all of these things within those boundaries like you said and then you need to be um able to know the boundaries by studying and having you know, have that knowledge. And so maybe just tell us how you actually got into, you know, youth works. Like, how did you know you wanted to do a bachelor's in youth work? And then we'll go into maybe how you started at ISRA because yeah, I love those stories of that guidance of like, where you 
making a sikhar or did people tell you, you you would be good at this or how did that happen for you? It is subhanAllah the best way to summarize the whole thing is in one sentence. Allah puts you exactly where you need to be. <laughs> yes. And the journey didn't start with the bachelor youth work. Yeah, it started from childhood. Like when I was in I had some issues at high school and you know the doctors and the teachers they're like, oh, you're not going to amount to much. You're not going to go to university. Why is your mom putting so much pressure on you? And my mom my was not putting any pressure on me at all. But um, being in and out of hospital, being sick and dealing with social stuff, um, they were that, those were the narratives that were given to, to me as a kid. You know, you're never going to amount to much. It's all right. And I'm like, okay, you want me I could to have never me? guessed that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. So beautiful. No, I could no have never guessed that. Looking at you now. I, I, still, I still remember sitting with um, my welfare coordinator and my yeah, tent coordinator and my mum and, um, you know, they were like, yeah, like t- talking at us, like, oh, it's more suitable if you do VCAL. There's nothing wrong with VCAL, side note, VCAL is amazing. It's designed for practical learners, so I'm glad that I did take that route. But I was the only one in my VCAL class or cohort that actually got into university so not only was I just scraping through in high school because I didn't enjoy it, like another key lesson from my story, environment is everything. Mm. I didn't enjoy it because of the environment that I was in. Um, when I went to uni, I was with 40-year-olds, 17, 17-year-olds 17 surrounded with 40-year-olds, surrounded with 22-year-olds, surrounded with like a diverse age group. And so when you see that in the class, in the group, you learn so much and not only was I passing, but I was getting high distinctions. I'd had a 40-year-old, like, in my mind, I'm close to 40 now. <laughs> in my mind, she was like an auntie. And she was like, Zainab, can you help me with this assignment? I'm like, me? Are the you? confidence that it would have given you. It's like someone saw you for like, exactly. oh, my gosh, she can help. And then you probably got touched by that. Exactly, especially being the youngest out of my siblings. Like it was the way I would help was, oh, get me a glass of water, get me this. We're having an adult conversation, you know. There's no place for you here in this conversation. Uh, so being in an environment where, like, the lecturer literally stop and say, "Hang on, Zainab's Zainab's age is closer to the demographic that we're working." to with so I want to hear her perspective mm. and at the start I was like this guy's being racist this guy's putting me on the spot he doesn't like me and what I realized is he just empowered me to have a voice because for wow. so long I was told you know be quiet don't speak you know if you say something people are going to tease you if you say something you know so it kind of like was my confidence building in university and I knew I wanted to do something in community because I come from a family of community workers but I just wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do so when I did get into Bachelor of Youth Work I was like oh my gosh this is my calling this is this is what I was meant to do I'm, I'm so excited to be in this industry that is giving so much to me and I'm able to give so much to the world through this industry Mm. Um, but it wasn't all rosy after I graduated I struggled to find a job because I was 21 and I had never worked a day in my life. I volunteered. <laughs> so no experience. Yeah. <laughs> Paid I had experience. volunteered for like so many organizations, but when it came to work, I was working for a local council and um, and I was making to a I'm like, yeah, just give me anything. To get to that local council job, I was driving 40 minutes. My my pay was like just enough to cover the, the petrol from my house to that 40 minutes wow. um but nevertheless I was doing things that I loved and I'm like yeah Allah just give me anything I don't care what it is so I 
on the way to the job. So I get to the job and there was a situation where I was working with um, Somali Muslim youth and we had a separate girls and boys program. And then my supervisor, uh, there was a boy who wanted to hang out with the girls. And my supervisor was like, well, if he identifies as a girl, then we should encourage that. Oh. And I'm like, uh, oh, cool. Like Ooh. in our studies, they teach us you're not allowed to hold prejudice. You're not allowed to be biased. You have to encourage. You have to put your personal views aside and embrace the young person's views. So as a Muslim, I was like, how do I feel about this? How yes. can I? You're now in a compromised position. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, it was very confronting. I'm like, I need to learn my religion. So I enrolled into a master's program of Islamic studies. That's and how you got in, subhanAllah. It was like, I need to know. Oh, it was like an actual experience that led you to go, I need to know more. I can't mm-hmm. just function 100%, like this. 100%. <gasps> and, and what's even more beautiful about it, when I started working, I literally got the exact right that I asked for. I'm like, yeah, Allah, just give me anything. I don't care what it is. So when I started working for, for, where I'm, for Israel, I was just answering phones. For like three months, I'm like, "What is going on, yeah, like, I asked you for anything, but I didn't. Expect- anything? <laughs> <laughs> you said anything. You didn't specify. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah, Allah. If I'm meant to be here, please just let me allow me to do something of impact. Allow me to do something. You, you know. And then, subhanAllah, management changed, and um, I took on the academic mentoring. And then, like, slowly, slowly, every year I was able to challenge myself. And why I love my job the most is because a lot of it is impact work. Yes. and It's directly, like, you can see the impact yeah, you're making. you can see the fruits of your, like, you'll start off with a student who's not very confident at first. And then when you see them at graduation, walking down the aisle, like, And it's so funny, right? Like, you have had that kind of origin story because you had a hard time. Yeah. at that age when you were younger and then you had the transformation exactly and now it's like you're giving back through your you know exactly. like filters and the way that you move through the world um just seeing that transformation and I think it's, it's like a, a, comes full circle like the That's circle of life, life. <laughs> we had to bring in the Simba analogy <laughs> We have to do. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that was also really funny when we talked on our pre-interview chat, because I had I was curious about all these cute babies that you had on your feet. I was I, I always thought you were a mother. It's like obviously you have these auntie vibes, motherly. I feel like you yeah. you do mother people, like you plant seeds and like look like this podcast. It was just a seed that you just planted just with your words. Um so maybe before we get into like crazy, um, beautiful experiences with, you know, trying to find the right life partner, maybe we'll segue with the whole names thing. We talked about you have this beautiful perspective of somebody's name and where it comes from. Could you share that? Because I just want you to lead that because it, it was so beautiful. <laughs> I don't even want to take away from from that because you you were, you know, you you had my name and you were like, Nadara, and you broke it down into the root letters and then you were s- saying what you saw and that was so life-affirming. Could you say more about someone's name and, yeah, how yeah, it comes I about? I feel like a name kind of shapes who you are in general. So you're not given your name by your parents. You're given your name by Allah Taala, And along with the name usually comes certain attributes that nurture that name. So if I use my name as an example, right, Zainab. 
everyone that meets me, they're like, every Zainab I met is depressed. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> um, but I'm like, well, I'm sorry you've had that experience, but I certainly am not. So I'm here to break that and challenge that. Um, and I've actually looked into, you know, the origin of my name. And not only is it the daughter of Prophet but it comes from two different um meaning so the first mm. one is desert flower right Oof. what are the what are the attributes Beautiful. of a desert flower when a person is walking by it gives them life it gives them yes, like a change the in the yes yeah. life yes so you're able to withstand extreme um temperature extreme weathers extreme situations you <laughs> extreme your- sport like <laughs> dragon boating we will have to have that conversation <laughs> I love that. um and you just you know, you're you're strong, but you're you're delicate, but you're in a strong, in, mm. like you're in a rough environment. So you develop the resilience to truly conquer things within yourself and not let the harsh environment or the world around you impact you. So that's one meaning. The other meaning is Zinat Abuha, which means um, the daddy's decoration. Um, Say that so again, Zainab. It, it kind of Zinat- cut out of it. Zinat Abuha. Yeah. So the daddy's jewelry. So daddy's pride. Daddy is <gasps> that that kind of like you know allowing the father to hold his head high. And and mm. essentially, it's what I aspire to do. You know, help you know ensure that your parents are like proud of the legacy yes. that they've left behind. Yes. Back to saying his legacy. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Um. Yeah. So like. Uh, names definitely tell stories. A lot of the people that I've met with similar names have similar attributes. Like Musa, the Prophet Musa alayhi salam, he was known for, you know, his wittiness and his, um, you know, I don't know how to say this in a diplomatic way, but <laughs> his, his courage, his, the fact that if he'd see something wrong, he'd say it straight away, you know? Mm, um, like headstrong. Headstrong, or, that's yes. the word. <laughs> um, and all the Musas that I met, I have a nephew named Musa, are exactly the same. You know, if I give you another example of um, Malakia, my sister's name is Malakia, and my grandma's name is Malakia. Mm-hmm. And they're very like, Malakia means queen. And a lot of the Malakias that I've met are very headstrong as <laughs> well. And they're very like, mashallah, they, they're, they're very business-minded and, you know, yeah, display. Yeah, looking after their kingdom or their people. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> Very, yes. Yeah, benevolent queens. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so definitely your name, like when we talk about identity in general, because a lot of people do struggle with identity, um, your name is the first piece of anything that you get in this world that belongs to you, that shapes mm. your identity. Oh, I love that. That your name is the say that again. You have to say that again. <laughs> your name is the, the first, first kind of information that you receive in dunya that says this is you. Ooh, right? and how how beautiful that you st- talked about branding at the beginning. We can start with your name, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> like even to generate exactly. ideas or um, directions exactly. for. Yeah, if someone's thinking about, like, who am I and identity. Yeah, going yeah. back to even your podcast name, Finding Your True Calling, mm, how do you your find your true calling. calling if you don't know yourself? Mm, so exactly. Part of knowing yourself is knowing your attributes. How do you know your attributes? Knowing, you know, what your origin story is. Yes. And that and that that origin story shaped you into finding your calling and being where you are. Today. Yes, you're you're such an example of that, <laughs> subhanAllah. Like you're actually doing the work of 
yeah, like the the personal transformation that you had. And um, I just love that you said that. I think it's because like even when you, you talked about um, it's like, you know, Zenith Abuha and it's like like daddy's like jewel. I found that for me, this, the name of the podcast, Your Truth is Calling, it was something that I inscribed on my iPod when I bought one for university. And I just said, Your Truth is Calling, how will you respond? And my initials, because um, a girl at one of my classes at uni gave me The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And I just love that book because it was all about signs and signatures and he was in the desert. And I, um, I just, I don't know, I just felt one with life at that point. And I felt like if anything I would want to be the person who if I hear something I would want to take up the you know if 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 there's a call I will respond and so that's why it's like I found that the call came from you and you're like you should start a podcast it's like uh-huh okay like that was for me thank you a lot you know and I find that a lot of women they could maybe they're hearing it but either they're too scared to take the first step overthinking what this thing is going to be without just starting the thing or because they're so distracted, they don't even hear it. They're just so shut off, but they're hearing other people's voices or things that are meant for other people. And they think, oh, they need to go down these careers or, you know, go after certain relationships. That's maybe not for them. How did you, um, was there a certain something when it comes to like following your guidance, when it comes to like, finding a partner, right? Maybe tell us some funny stories that you've had with, you know, you said traditional rap people came through the front door at one point in your life up until what you were 26 or something, people would come into the front door, like to try and meet you and (laughs) all of that. And then later you had to come out of that and try other ways of meeting people. I, I feel like you have some experience with it and there might be either younger women who would want to know how do you navigate this as a Muslim woman? Cause they like you, like you said, you know, like you're not someone who would go and shake someone's hand and you have the boundaries of the Sunnah and everything. How do you do this halal dating thing when you're looking for a partner? Spill your beans and your wisdom. Zainab, <laughs> desert do, flower. We'll do. Um, where do I even start? I Wherever you're comfortable sharing. Maybe it's just follow your intuition. <laughs> <laughs> follow it, find your true calling. SubhanAllah, <laughs> yeah. um, like I was very strict on, I was stricter on myself growing up. Like I, I'm not, I don't have looser boundaries. I've just learned that we don't need to limit ourselves within the boundaries of Islam. Mm. But before when I was younger, if a guy showed interest in me, I'd be like, this is my dad's number. You come to the house and we can meet them. We can, we we can we can talk that. about this under the roof of my dad's house because there's no. And now you're that. being true to Zainab. Look at that! Like, <laughs> no, look at that name. Like, but it, it goes like back it. to where you are in that period of your life. Right. Like, okay. In my life, I was in that period of my life. I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to be the best Muslim. I am the best Muslim. <laughs> you know. You're ignorant because you realize that you are so far from it. Like, that doesn't make you the best Muslim. <laughs> it doesn't make you the best Muslim by, you know, honoring your parents. Like, do you know what I mean? that, yeah. that doesn't define. But it was how at that time, that's how you viewed everything. Yeah, that was the filter. Yeah. yeah, that was like, if he is not man enough or has the courage to or come speak to, to my father. And, 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 you know, navigate this challenging situation that he is not worthy of me. <laughs> I love it. 
have you been on stage? This is your improv coming out now, isn't it? Like we're improving this because I'm like, I don't know what story she's going to tell <laughs> the listeners. And you know, in that period where I was meeting people through the house, it was just really funny. We had a, um, we have, I have a three date thingy when they come the third days when we actually have a conversation together. And, you know, some guys were so funny. They do the full Facebook store, try and, like, understand elements of them. And I had my questions. I had my, like, interview questions. One of them was, like, what's your favourite surah? This would help me determine if they even open the Qur'an. Um, <laughs> guys, if you're listening, <laughs> you better know what your favourite surah is. We don't know if her <laughs> her interview process has changed, but it's changed. you do it's need so to know. It's so changed. I still get roasted about that. You know, so I had different, like, questions like that and then you'd see like the the potential like under the table texting his sister what should I say what should I say and I'm like because he doesn't know how to just relate to you he's nervous (laughs) you are intimidating (laughs) intimidating them (laughs) 10 minutes later he comes up with answer he goes oh you know I like such a fat car and I'm like oh that's great 10 minutes later (laughs) that's great Sufat has an amazing sort of, there's so much to say about it. It's the open eye, it's this, it's that. But tell me why you like it. Um, I don't know, I just do. Okay, that's nice. Conversation just ends there abruptly. <laughs> Exit <laughs> stage left. <laughs> Next. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Here are your exits, ladies and gentlemen. I was grateful. Subhanallah. So, so that was like the beginning stage of like everybody yeah. had to just follow this very traditional exactly. route. And what's changed now for you, and and how do you view this whole finding a partner thing? Because I feel like I, I, the reason I'm so um, thankful to you for just being vulnerable with this and sharing it was because um, I feel like there are so many, you know, single most like you, you said something in the pre-interview chat, which I love. You said single and ready to mingle, and I was like, <laughs> I, I cracked up laughing. <laughs> like you know Zainab there are so many women who are amazing and intelligent and they just have big hearts and everything and I was like if this podcast could be like a calling card to find <laughs> your partner then so be it <laughs> so so tell us how yeah how how has that whole perspective changed now and what are you experiencing these days yeah, with the so whole experience I guess my mind is kind of more open to the fact that it is very challenging for anyone to come to a new house or a, for anyone to come to someone's family and meet them it is very challenging and the questions that are asked are very scary like I, I started to put myself in that situation and not be so hard ass on you're not man enough it's not about being man <laughs> enough it's about I want to know if I have connection with the person yes. before I even start having these tricky questions you know Mm. so for me I started to value more that not emotional connection but I guess the mind connection that on an intellectual level you have something in common so you have something to talk about when you're having coffee together or when you go on a walk and it's not just like that initial honeymoon phase wears off and then okay it's now all business-like and you do this and you do that and Every person has a different world for you. And if you can't see this, like if you can't mm. even put their view next to yours, or I'm not saying have the mm. exact same worldview as yours, but if you don't see their worldview fitting into yours, mm. then it's not compatible. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And how does one go about doing that in like a halal way? Um, is it that you have to have like your mom or a sister like 
around you what, while you what? have these convos. How does it happen now? I'm, you know, because I met my husband when I was 16 and like oh, I kind wow. of knew he'd be the one. So I sometimes find like, wow, like I'm in a, a different world and I just so want to understand what it's like. Like right now, 2023, what is it like for women trying to, to navigate this? You know? Well, honestly, I'm still in the process of navigating it, to be mm. honest. My very first uh, date, I don't know what you call it, I did take my mum and he took his mum. And it was a very awkward situation, like extremely awkward. All the red flags were there. Um, I'm not going to talk about the story, but I'll just say it ended up in Brunetti's inside Maya in the bra section. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. <laughs> and I'm like, get me out of the situation. Um Awkward. Um, So, yeah, then I started having the three-person rule. What's that? Uh, Explain the three-person rule to us. Going out for, like, coffee, lunch, walks with a third person. Okay. Oh, the third person. Okay. I thought there were three people plus you two, so I was like, what? (laughs) Explain, Zainab. What is this? Okay. Yeah. Just a a third, yeah, like a wing girl or a wingman. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. So that was working well, but I found that it was making the other person feel extra awkward. Right. And I'm like, well, where do I compromise my values and my? So I'd bring a third person. I'd just get them to sit on a different table. Yeah. Um, I did. So they're go in the one... space and they can observe that you're safe and you're okay. Yeah. And just be yeah. in the space, but not at your table. Yeah. I I, I guess I've only compromised my values once. And um, it was very interesting situation because I had just um, I had just ended things with someone else, not just, but it was a few months where I had ended things. So, and then I'm like, you know what? I need to be open to new experiences. So I literally walked into that experience without any expectations. I'm, like, I'm just meeting someone at the park. I'm gonna do, and because I was out of my head, because there wasn't any pressure, any, it was the funnest experience ever. So it's not something that I would do again, only because I feel like that's my value. Like that's where Mm. I stand. That's, this is important to me to have a third person available. Mm. But it was just the fun to just let go. And I wasn't impressed by the guy. I was more impressed by my ability to just let go. And I would just say things that were just, I had a crush on me, like without standing out. I love that. Like you were dating yourself in the process just by having this other sounding board to bounce off. And you're like, oh, that was new for me. I never experienced myself that way. And isn't it like even when I look at you um, with all the experience you've had and, and what you do share on social media, it's like, yeah, I feel like sometimes it's for us. It's for us to see what we love. It's for us to see this is how I like to express and this is how my meanness or my uniqueness comes through. And I feel like, yeah, a lesbian of that with like all these divine qualities, our, our hearts carry them. And then each individual will kind of lead with a particular quality and it's getting developed and shaped. And there's so much beauty in this process of getting to know yourself. And I feel like, you know, and then meeting another person who's also as evolved and can match that and appreciate that the fact that they've seen you evolve as well at subhanallah i feel like my one dua for anyone you know looking for that partner is that they find someone who like really is able to love them exactly you know, for who they are and where they're going i just want to like hone in on one point with mm. that you need to before you even look for anyone mm. you need to make sure that you have that love and connection with yourself 
yes. know your worth and that mm-hmm. love and connection with Allah. There's yes. one thing I read and it just touched me so much in my heart. It was Malasmata'ala put my heart in his hand so that he can put but basically when you put your heart in the hands of Allah, Allah will put his heart in the hands of someone who loves him. So if you're not putting your heart in the hands of Allah, metaphoric hands of course, then and if you don't know your worth and what you have to offer, then whatever he sends you, you're not gonna be able to fully embrace, you're not going to enjoy, you're not going to connect, you're not going to there's always gonna be a problem. But when you have that love for yourself, that gratitude towards Allah, that love for Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will get give you what you need at the time that you need it. Like yeah. I feel like I wouldn't be able to have to have experienced all the experiences I've had to date if that timing had changed in any other way. Like if I was married like three years ago, four years mm-hmm. ago, five years ago, then I wouldn't be who I was today. So I mm-hmm. am to so anyone who is looking, trust in Allah's timing. Allah's Allah has the best timing for you. And we were all born with that soulmate you know so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you that and if it's not in dunya you know in the akhira you will have your companion exactly exactly we were created in pairs yes so you know just ride the experience and um yeah, don't try and control it. Just go with it. Go with the flow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if you were in a cave, Allah will give you your dessert. Even if there was yes. no one around you and you needed to eat, mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will find a way to provide for you. So, yeah, just having confidence in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's timing and people are dessert. Meeting you was dessert. Being here is dessert. You yes, know? So, even the connections you have, the family yeah. you have, so much of it is Allah's providing exactly. and my last name yeah Ariza like the, <laughs> the provider like exactly. is given to you all the time yeah. and I love that you said that and and a mentor of mine used to always say you get what you need when you need it exactly. and it's and then she and then another mentor would say ask for what you want but know that God will like give you what you need so you might not get what you want like in the moment you think like mm-hmm. I have a plan and this is my timeline but Whatever experience happens, regardless of whether, you know, you label it good, bad or ugly, mm-hmm. it's just that your heart, whatever, that your beingness needed that and that's going to strengthen you and fuel you to then be ready for the next opportunity to arrive, 100%. you know? So, well said. You're yes. so eloquent. So, <laughs> so, regardless, <laughs> so regardless, you're looked after. And I, mm-hmm. I love that. It's like that Musa alayhi salam, like we're talking, you know, we're at Ashura. Um, and Musa alayhi salam obviously is taking the children of Israel, um, the, the Pharaoh's armies hot on their heels. And he said, like, Allah is with us. And then Prophet sallam, when he was in the cave with Abu Bakr Siddiq, um, you know, saying Allah is with us when the enemy was like, they could see the feet at the, the foot of the cave. And we're talking exactly. about caves now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's like, I think just remember, I, I feel like that's probably the message from today. Like Allah is with you. Don't worry. But like the timing, I feel like the more present you can be, you don't feel like time is passing by and you're not watching the clock. You're just enjoying the moment. And then your husband, potential husband, partner arrives and you'll just be ready. You wouldn't be stressed out and miss the opportunity because you're enjoying yourself regardless. And I feel like you're a poster child for that. Poster girl, poster woman <laughs> about showing us that like just enjoying and yeah. being present to what is now and that creativity I was all, 
I'm going to have to have you again on another podcast <laughs> just to ask you the questions that I couldn't get to today. Like um, <laughs> your creative process and how you chose all these, like we couldn't even talk about dragon boating, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like how, how, like probably one of my questions maybe in closing is how does, um, how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speak to you in terms of what you want to experience? Do you think like, you know, when you decide I, I'm going to do dragon boating or I'm going to do improv, how does those like how do those messages find you? Do you find that you see a poster for it or an ad and your heart like goes, oh, I want to do that? Or you have an idea and then somebody says, Zainab, do you want to take this class? Like, can you tell us how it happens that you get pulled into all these things? I would love for you to share. And we'll close probably with that because I feel like that's what gets you into all these new experiences and you'll you'll be taken where you need to be and Allah has a place for you to yeah. shine. So I'd like to start off by saying what you'll only get what's meant for you was ne- will never miss you and what yes. misses you was never meant for you yes. and i think allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts you in these situations the same way about the podcast the origin story of this podcast you know is the same way that you find yourself in these situations allah like hand selects you for this situation and it literally just happened by i got invited to a um to a, to a, a show from a distant friend of mine, um, and I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I had it in my mind for like three years, I want to try this, I want to try this. I this try is this. improv, you mean? Improv, yeah. yeah I improv. had it in my mind, I wanted to try it, but COVID happened. Yeah. And, you know, a whole bunch of stuff happened. And then I'm like, you know, this year I'm going to commit to myself. I've said I want to try it, I want to do it. You know, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala definitely picks it for you. Um, even with dragon birding, we had the same friend in Tissa. Yes. She was, um, she was telling us about her experience and she was so inspiring in the sense that there's this app called Meetups mm-hmm. and how she found it, it. Meetups is not what it sounds like. It's not, a, it's, <laughs> it's not meeting dodgy people. No, I swear. Adventures. <laughs> but they literally, they'll post about like, okay, we're going on a hike today. Whoever wants to join, we're going in a group. Welcome to come. So yeah, she introduced it to she. She was telling me how on the app it was talking about they're looking for um people to join the team, and um, she goes, "Oh, you want to try it? I'm doing it, and I love it." I'm like, "Yeah, okay. Allah sent you to me. Let's do it. You know, why there not? Allah sending you to me in yes. this moment. What what is limiting me from you know making the most and 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 savoring this moment? So how do I find myself in these crazy situations? You just be open to whatever is at your door." Like mm-hmm. as long as again, as long as it and I, and you feel like it's a yes for you in that yeah. moment, it was a yes. So sometimes an opportunity comes and it's not a yes, and you're meant to actually say, actually not now, not this week, not this mm-hmm. month, but maybe come. Can you come back to me? I'll exactly. get back to you if it makes sense exactly. for me then. So it's yes. always that moment by moment discernment of being present to go. Yes, it's a yes today, and then you have that experience of dragon boating. You have to watch that. I think it was a reel that you put together. I was stunned. I was like, this woman <laughs> is out of this world like just I love the fact that you have this a little bit of wild rebel but then you're extremely feminine you probably do cartwheels on the beach and then you go hug these other people that you randomly meet and so loving (laughs) so that's what I think that that desert flower you just breathe life into people and I just want to thank you Zainab just for just being you for being such a light for like just yeah like the fact that you're just being you and you just contribute to all these projects and wherever you land next and, you know, whoever gets to like take your goodness for like 
the good of the organization and all these volunteer projects that you do. Um, may Allah put Baraka in your time. Thank you for sharing your time with us and your life force with us and just being so vulnerable and, and game <laughs> to go to all these angles of the conversation where I feel like sometimes we don't talk about these things and we just need somebody else who has had a lived experience to tell us how do you do these things? Because I was talking to someone yesterday and I was telling them they needed to get out and meet people. And how funny, like you met, you mentioned meetups today. I was like, I'm going to tell her about meetups in her new city. And she's migrated from Sri Lanka to Canada, but very remote and is oh, wow. finding herself like not being very connected. So the fact that you just mentioned that it's like, oh, a breadcrumb. I need to pass that on to so-and-so. Like I just got that in that moment. That was for her. <laughs> so subhanAllah, right? Allah guides us through so many, yeah, very either challenging times or then sometimes, you know, things are really good. So thank you so much no, <laughs> again. Is there you. any final parting words or do you feel complete today? <laughs> <laughs> With whatever is meant for you, we'll find you and whatever. Exactly. What's the other piece of that? Say that again. What, what's meant for you will never miss, would never, miss, never you. miss you. And what misses you was never meant for you. Mm, so you can, I think it's Imam Ali or Imam Hussein. I'm not sure who says mm. That quote. That's beautiful because I feel like that allows you to just rest and just not stress <laughs> and exactly. have that hakuna matata existence. All the rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs> Assalamu alaikum, everybody, and Jazakallah Khair Zainab. Um, thank you for listening to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. That is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Your Truth is Calling podcast with Zainab Murad. Alhamdulillah, just Zainab's energy in breathing life into people, that desert rose, you know, the quality of her name. We discussed so many things this episode. And funnily enough, how Allah plans it, we talked with Zainab about travel and having solo experiences and group experiences through meetups and all the different avenues there are to explore, um, have that self-discovery process. I'm on a road trip right now with my family and recording this outro on the deck overlooking Umina Beach in central New South Wales. And it's it's so extraordinary <laughs> that I'm having my own travel adventure and doing this um, podcast to come out tonight, um, Thursday in Melbourne at 8 p.m. So it, it's it's all part of the planning, right? We also talked about the qualities in your name and how you can use your name for inspiration in discovering your true calling in life. I just so enjoyed this episode with Zainab Murad. She had so much to share about personal branding and she has this beautiful intellect, which if you know, you re-listen to this episode, I feel like you need to listen to this episode about five times at least because there was so many gems and you kind of need to sit with it and marinate with each bit because we went from you know using new experiences like how she was trialing improv and dragon boating and you know seeing that vulnerability in yourself and seeking those avenues for self-expression and self-discovery if you enjoyed this episode of the your truth is calling podcast we would love to hear about it message us on instagram at nadara razak you can shoot me a dm or put it in the comments under the highlight reel of the episode about what touched you about it because the more we can hear from you as to what you took away from it it just helps us in the creation process 
of the podcast and these episodes. Thank you again for listening. If you love this episode, share it with a friend, either by text message or on social media. Until next time, assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.